Hi, I'm Barry Clark. Welcome to the Mortgage and Property Podcast brought to you by Mortgage Monster. Now sit back, relax and get ready for top tips, tricks and advice to help you with all of your mortgage and property needs. Hello and welcome to the Mortgage and Property Podcast. Hope you're doing okay. Um, today we're going to be talking about all things protection. Um, so I'm joined by my special guest, George. Um, George is a protection consultant who works for uh, a very large insurer um, and uh, covers around about 1,500 or so uh, brokers that are all uh, um, uh, looking to give their clients protection, such as uh, life insurance, critical illness, income protection, um, and really just want to have a bit of a chat with him today just to see, talk about all things protection, really. So, um, George, how you doing, buddy? You all right? Not too bad. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Good, good. Absolutely brilliant. No, no problem at all. Pleasure to have you. And um, we've got a few questions for you, first of all, so we get to like to get to know our guests a little bit more. Um, so, first of all, uh, who's your favourite Arsenal footballer? Arsenal footballer? Um, none of them, to be honest with you. I don't want to be judged for this, but I'm a big, big Spurs fan, so I think Barry knows what he's doing right now. <laughs> so, me and my family's all Spurs all the way through. Yeah. <laughs> Just see how we react to that. <laughs> um, to your coffee, bud? Oh, 100% coffee. Coffee, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? In my line of work, probably be able to read people's minds. Okay. I think uh, everything would be a lot smoother and a lot quicker. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, and what would your dream job be? Dream job? Um, you know, I think it'd be great to be a financial advisor to cover the whole spectrum of the financial industry. Um, and hopefully one day I'll be there. No man, I know you're going to start kind of, you know, maybe looking to train at some point soon. 100%. Um, it's all part of the plan. Yeah, good, mate. Excellent. Cool. All right, so um, George, just tell us a bit about what it is that you do. I may have stolen a bit of your thunder already, but tell us a bit about what it is you do um, and the way you do it. Yeah, so I'm a protection consultant for a large insurance firm. Um, I manage about 1,400 accounts uh, that can range from um, wealth and pension uh, advisors to mortgage brokers like yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I essentially uh, help advisors when it comes to protection. Um, it can be a bit of a mystery. Some things can be quite confusing. Um, and I'm there to make sure that everything's as straightforward as possible. Okay. All right, brilliant. So basically, you, you kind of give lots of training, lots of help, lots of assistance. Absolutely. So we explain, you know, uh, how the policies work, why they can be beneficial to the client. Um, and of course, getting getting these policies put on risk, which is what the, the term we use for a live policy when it comes to, to mm-hmm. protection, um, and making sure that the client on the other end uh, has got the best policy for themselves. Okay, that's cool. Um, I'm going to go into probably some questions that aren't on here just to see. So, so the main issue that I have with, not the main issue I have with selling protection is that Loads of brokers do it. So basically, they just sell life, they just sell kick, even when it's not needed. Um, and uh, you'd get all these door to door salesmen going back, kind of like to prove times where they were knocking on doors. And, you know, they were just selling the wrong type of insurance, the wrong type of people. So I just want to kind of go through a bit of those kind of questions, really, and talk about what's been happening in insurance previously, where it is now, you know, where it's more heavily regulated now than it was before. I mean, you know, we're seeing advisors, we're seeing clients come to us with kind of all sorts of policies. You look at them and you go, 100%. What's that all about? They shouldn't be having that. And it's interesting you say that at the moment, and I'm sure you're you're aware the FCA are working on their consumer duty at the moment, which is all about brokers doing the right thing for the client. Um, And I think you're 100% correct. Previously and in the past, insurance has been a bit of a minefield for the public. So it all falls down to the broker and the advisor to make sure that the right policy, the right product is being sold to the client. And of course, in any avenue of work, people can become complacent uh, and that's when the wrong types of policies are sold to clients because like I said they don't understand what they're looking at they just want to trust their broker they want to trust their their advisor that they're getting the best policy for themselves now recently you know the in in recent years it has got better and like I mentioned the consumer duty is definitely helping with that Um, we are heavily regulated by the FCA um, Mm -hmm. and I think now the the big the big internet's out there. Um, the the general public can do a little bit of research for themselves. They can go out and even if they don't want to take out a policy online, they they want to use their broker still. They have those resources to make sure that they are looking at the the correct policy, which has definitely made it harder for those let's call them cowboy brokers that yeah. um, tend to churn business or write a policy for the sake of their compliance. Mm. Uh, and now we're definitely seeing more of a focus on the actual client and what they need. 
for being sold the way being kind of explained the way it should be done you know, properly consultative selling. So, is there any kind of minimum amount of, of insurance that you have to have in order to, to kind of you know buy a property with a mortgage at all? Or from a life insurance perspective, no, there okay. is no minimum insurance that you have to have. Um, it should be a perspective that, that that you're having when you're taking out a mortgage. It should be should I have life yeah. insurance and should I have protection? And that falls down to the advisor to make sure that they they Brilliant. are explaining to the client why they should have it and what it's used yeah. for. And that's exactly pretty. I say that's that's a good thing about having you on being a professional because I say we do sometimes see some clients, you know, they they, they come in to see us and we sit down with them, we start talking about insurance and we're like, yeah, well, you know, when I took out my, my mortgage initially, they told me I had to have life insurance. If I didn't, I wasn't allowed to have the mortgage. That for me is is, is a massive no no. It's you know, a, a client shouldn't be you know forced into having some sort of protection because they 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 feel they should have it. There's no kind of legal requirement apart from builders insurance in order to protect the the um, in order to protect the building. Um, but really, you know, I know that, that we both believe this, but it should be, you know, that we should explain everything to a client and then make their informed decisions. Okay. You know, I honestly personally think that people are crazy that don't have any form of protection. It's just, you know, why would you kind of leave it to, to, to kind of chance? And the other thing as well, our offices, I'm looking at our marketing guys, and our office is quite an ill office. Pretty much most of our guys are all broken yeah. at the best time. So they all believe very much in kind of life insurance. It didn't, quite, it didn't mean it to be that way. It just kind of worked out that way. Um so basically, um, you know, um, we, so we do have, we do see clients that do come to us have been told you have to have this, you have to have that. You know, you don't have to have life insurance if you don't. We don't have to have income protection. Don't, I mean, I think you're crazy not to. That's what comes out in just a second. So um, just, just tell us about the, the different types of insurances. So talk us through yeah. the, what's kind of available, basically. You know? Yeah. So, so when you're taking out your mortgage, the first thing that's going to come up is, is life insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is used to cover the cost of your mortgage. Okay. So if the worst is to happen, the money's going to pay out to, say, your partner or your next relative that's going to be in charge of looking after your property to make sure that the mortgage isn't going to be left for somebody else. Now, okay. that is what we would talk about, first of all. Okay. Um, that's pretty standard. Um, and like I said, usually the cost of the pizza on a weekend. Yeah. Now, when you look into protection in relation to a mortgage, it all comes down to the circumstances of the client and what they need. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there is plenty of critical illness cover options out there, mm-hmm. um, but it's important to understand what critical illness is used for. Yeah. So critical illness is obviously very different to a life insurance policy because yeah. that only pays out on terminal illness or death. Mm-hmm. Now critical illness, as I'm sure everybody knows, one in two of us is gonna be diagnosed with cancer in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Now critical illness is there to make sure that if you have to take time off work and you still need to pay your mortgage yeah. or you need to take a year out to have something like chemotherapy, critical illness is going to provide funds so yeah. that you can support yourself and your family um, while you're outside of work. Now, that closely ties in with income protection as well. Okay. Now, income protection is different because that is a monthly payout based on your salary. Um, okay. But again, the other two proofs, they're, they're like a lump sum payout. They're yes, a one-off yeah. lump sum payout. So if, say, for example, you were to pass away, it pays out a big chunk of money, which is normally That's correct. you'd have that amount to kind of cover your, your mortgage. So if it was kind of interest only mortgage, you'd have a probably a level term. Absolutely. Uh, if it was a mortgage goes on over time, so your repayment mortgage, you'd probably have a decrease in term. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that means in the event of death, and it pays out a big lump sum, and that's essentially paid off. Exactly. It's the yeah. same with critical as well. So a big lump sum of money. Uh, and that can uh, depend on what you took out for in the first place, and it covers you normally against. I mean, I know with your insurance company is what fifty definitions. How many definitions? Yeah. So at the moment, a lot of providers are coming away from this conditions race that we call it, yeah. um, and we're now sort of taking a more impact based approach. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of providers will do the same thing. Uh, for example, if you're diagnosed with a condition that is similar to motor neuron disease, but it's not motor neuron disease and it has the same impact on you, yeah. then these providers will pay out that lump sum okay. for you. That's really good. Now. Critical illness, like I said, it is paid out in that lump sum and it is going to be more expensive because it's paid out while you're still alive and yeah. you have the option to use that money for whatever you you so choose to use it for, whether that be to pay off the mortgage while you're still alive to make sure that if anything worse was to happen, the mortgage is done. Or you can use it to provide uh, you know, financial stability for your family while you're ill yeah. as well. Now, critical illness is something that over the last... You know, it's hard to put a time scale on it, but it's got more popular because mm-hmm. people are more aware that they're going to be diagnosed with um, cancer, heart attack, stroke. They're the three most commonly claimed um, yeah. illnesses on critical illness. Um, it is more expensive than life insurance, but for that good reason that it's going to be paid out while you're still alive so you can you can provide the financial support for your family. Well, I mean, the, the reason it's more expensive is because you're more likely to use it. Yeah, 100%. Which is the, which is the reason why it's 100%. more expensive. Yeah. Um, in the fact that, you know, you, you, you might kind of, you know, a certain amount of people would pass away during 
the time they have the policy, but more people would get ill in it because, like you yeah. say, there's the kind of the, the big three, the big four, some insurers call yeah. them, which will be heart attack, uh, cancer, stroke, and multiple sclerosis, basically, yeah. which are kind of you know the big ones which most of them pay out for. So cover you for those kind of main conditions, but you're more likely to get those than 100%. you are to pass away, which is the reason why it's more expensive. There's there's a, yeah. you know so. That tells you in itself that it pays out quite a lot. You're paying for what you're, you're potentially going to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and critical illness doesn't need to be, you know, you, you, it's not necessarily going to be a payout for a life-changing illness that is going to end your life in, in, in five yeah. years. You may for example, live beyond that and yeah. then kind of be okay. Absolutely. Be for example, if you look at the most comprehensive plans out there, um, there are providers that will pay out for a diagnosis for type 1 diabetes now. As we all know, you can live a completely normal life with type 1 diabetes with some adjustments, but some critical illness policies will pay out a lump sum up to, say, £35,000 so that mm-hmm. if you wanted or needed to take the time off work while you're adjusting to your new lifestyle, yeah. you'll have that financial stability. Mm-hmm. Now, that is similar to income protection, but income protection pays out on a monthly basis yeah. um, subject to your income. Mm-hmm. Now, income protection is obviously very, very different because you do not need to be critically ill to claim on your income protection. It's designed to support you for two, three, four, five, six months while you're off work. But the plan and the idea is, is that you go back to work. Yeah. So it gives you the stability that if you were going to be ill, you don't need to worry about finding money or, or even claiming on your critical illness because yeah. once you've claimed on that critical illness, nine times out of 10, it's gone. Yeah. You can't claim on it again. So income protection, again, is if we were to talk about the cost of income protection, how likely are you going to use income protection? I mean, I was I was listening to a presentation um, by, uh, you know, I forgot the name of the, the firm now, but they were saying that the average person claims on the income protection at the age of 37 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, it, it's real. This happens to a lot of people. And like you said at the start of the, start of the podcast, people like to look back and think, oh, in hindsight, it would have been great to get covered and I wish I did. Yeah. Now, I think due to the education that the internet provides, the, the, the heavy regulation through the FCA that brokers need to provide to, to clients as well now, income protection is becoming a lot more popular because they understand the need for it. And that's what's most important. Income protection is, I think, is probably one of our favourite products here, um, simply because you know it can completely re- replace your income. So we have been involved in malls now and, and insurance is quite a little while. We start to see now that the difference that, that this makes to people. So, you know, we you seem to find the value in insurance when you start to see clients come back to you and they sit down in front of you and go, I've got this really terrible thing. You know, what happens now? What did I take out? You know, can you yeah. please help me? And income protection is absolutely fantastic. So recently now we've had two cases, literally in the last probably six months or so, um, one of which was a young lady. Uh, she was only kind of mid-30s. Um, she took out an income protection policy um, and she ended up with um, uh, fibromyalgia. Now, she, she went to which a disease, so she's very, very tired all the time. Absolutely. There isn't kind of in any way of it kind of getting better. So she went to her doctor. doctor kind of signed her off. She made an application um, and she now has an amount paid out to every single month. And um, that enables her to pay her mortgage, pays all of her bills, pay everything else. Um, which means that now she doesn't have the stress and pressure of kind of returning back to work again. Um, the other thing with that as well is the fact that, you know, yes, it will get reviewed every kind of few years, but that's a condition that really isn't going to get a huge amount. Best she's going to get better with time. So she's now got that in place now to the age of 65. I mean, obviously, you know, she, she was she's keen back to get back to work again when she's kind of feeling a bit better and you know, when she can, when she can manage condition a bit more. So obviously then she, she'll have the option then to kind of, you know, step away from income protection and go back more to work. And if she goes back to work part-time, it'll also support her as well. But it, it means now that she has this, this, this fixed income and this security of knowing that she can really learn to be able to live with her condition and know that she can still afford to live every month. And that Absolutely. to me is... Income protection is fantastic because, you know, as much as we kind of love critical illness, you do have to fall into one of so many boxes. And the only sort of thing you have a critical illness is you can potentially fall, sometimes you can fall between the boxes, which right. means that, you know, you have this fantastic, uh, you know, critical illness policy and you have a life policy, but sometimes you might find the condition you get isn't one of the conditions or you don't quite meet the, you know, um, you don't quite meet maybe the the, the, the minimum kind of uh, condition amount. Um, sorry. The minimum, um, I can't think of the word. Requirements for a payout. Minimum requirements yeah. for a payout, for example. Um, whereas income protection, you know, you can have the, the, the same problem, same issue. And even say, for example, you went to the doctor and you were to get signed off for kind of, I don't know, two, three, four years while you've got yourself better. Or if you, heaven forbid, if you're in a, I know, a car accident, for example, and you had to learn to kind of walk again, that sort of stuff wouldn't necessarily be covered under critical illness because, yeah, 
because it, you know you don't fall into one of those, those boxes of total and permanent disability, which we'll come to just Absolutely, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, a total and permanent disability. Um, so it means that you know you won't necessarily get the help you need there and then from critical illness, but income protection can kind of very much you know, cover that void until you're fit and well enough to return back to work and so you don't need that policy anymore. 100% income protection slides in to cover those grey areas that critical illness and life insurance seems to miss out for a lot of people. And that's why it's becoming more popular. Um, mm. And in relation to a mortgage, um, you'll know more than many people that a lot of people that take out a mortgage, they took it out with their partner. And based off of that, you know, one of the um, one a very strong mortgage broker that I work quite closely with said that it takes two incomes to get a mortgage and yeah. two incomes to keep a mortgage. Yeah. So income protection can be almost essential if you've got a mortgage with your partner and you get ill and you need to take that time off work. If you do not have your income, that is going to put a lot of pressure on your partner as well. So income protection is there, not so much for a... Worst case scenario, it's there for, like I said, the grey areas and it's there for a shorter period of time. That's the idea. And a lot of income protection policies out there on the market, they are designed to help get people back to work. For example, some of the providers will offer uh, recuperation benefits. So yeah. they will offer a certain amount of money to allow you on top of your income protection benefit being paid out, say a £300 recuperation benefit so that you can go and have physiotherapy yeah. or you can um, get a walking stick if you need a walking stick. If it's silly things, it really doesn't matter, but anything that's going to help you get back to work. For yeah. example, we've had diabetics in the past that have used that recuperation benefit to buy a rice cooker so that they can manage their diet. Um, and yep. that helps them get back to work quicker because mm-hmm. they, they're on top of things. And that is the, that's the biggest part about income protection. It is a, it's, it's a means to an end. It yes. isn't a, um, it's not a, 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 it doesn't fill a hole like life insurance does where you're going to have that gut feeling of, oh, my partner's just passed away. The life insurance has paid out. It gives you a different relief that you're still here and you can still live a normal life because you can still pay your mortgage. You can still pay your bills while you're recovering. And of course, that helps with whatever you're recovering from because it takes the stress away um, from not being able to go to work, which, of course, in many cases uh, for your client that has fibromyalgia, um, it's only going to make her condition worse. Yeah. So it's there to, to support them mentally as well. Yeah. So we've had a, a very similar, well, not very similar, slightly different guy whereby we've had a young chap as well. He's only in his probably late 20s or something like that. Um, he works at a, a very big packaging uh, um, delivery, I don't know. Company. He works at Amazon, basically. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Trying to skirt around it. Not really yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, he works at Amazon and, and his job every day is to work on, on engineering type stuff and um, to basically carry big bits of material from one place to another to make sure it all get pressed out and whatever else works in a very heavy company type role. And every now and again, he would have to use quite a lot of his, uh, quite a lot of his upper body in order to kind of move stuff around. It's quite a heavy, just not that. Um, it's quite a heavy kind of job. And he's uh, just had a problem with um, some of his, his back, some of his uh, discs are basically disintegrating. Um, so he put in, in a uh, claim. Um, he's now been, as I say, signed off work for a little while and he's now getting the help that he needs. Um, he's able to take time to basically to hopefully put himself you know, into a position where he's able to recover better now. And, and that for him, you know, he's, he's not even in his 30s yet. Exactly. Um, so have something like that in place, <clears throat> that's something which he might have to use for a little bit and then maybe stop for a bit and then use again when it gets worse and then Absolutely. kind of stop for a bit. And there's, you know, most of these policies will mean that you don't have this, you don't have to wait again for the deferred period. The deferred Absolutely. period, by the way, is the, the amount of time you have to wait for the for, for the claim. So Absolutely. it will depend on the premium that you get. So with income protection, for example, um, you can get your benefits to start from, from kind of day one. Um, or potentially you can set those to start maybe six months or 12 months in the future. A lot of it will depend on your work sick pay. Yeah. So if, say, for example, you get six months sick pay from your work, you might want you might not want your your um, income protection policy to start until six months' time when you really, really need it. But the nice thing about most critical illness policies is the fact that even if you have, say, for example, one or two years off, you go back to work in, you then come off then for the same conditions again, then, you know, six months later, you don't have to wait again for that period, Absolutely. do you? So you kind of pay yeah, out more straight correct. away. Yeah. Income protection for people like the the, the gent you were just mentioning there, it is it's important to understand that when you apply for income protection, you get you know you put down what job you do and it, and your premium will be based off of your job. So, for example, yeah. the the client you're talking about, because he he works a heavy labouring job, the premium is going to be a little bit higher than say if you're working behind a desk in an office. However, he more than anyone at the moment will understand that it was worth paying that in, increased yeah. premium because he's got that support there. And mentioning the the deferred period as well, absolutely correct. And 
many providers, I mean, most providers that offer income protection out there will offer you a wide range of, of deferred periods. And, and you can choose, like you said, from somewhere from eight weeks to, to 52 weeks being a, being a full year. So it is really designed to fit the needs of the client. And again, that I think is a reason why it's becoming a lot more popular because it isn't, you don't have to fit into a box. Yeah. Um, the box essentially fits around you for income protection. Whereas, what, like you mentioned Ooh, like previously, that. yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like you mentioned with critical illness and life insurance, yeah. you have to fit in those boxes you have to tick the boxes and you have to meet the requirements with income protection we take in you know uh, especially the, the, the larger providers will take into consideration your circumstances and build the policy around you to make sure that it pays out when you need it but it's also there to make sure you can get back to work when you need to as well mm-hmm. so um so are there any kind of um i don't know jobs for example that wouldn't be able to get income protection talk me through what yeah, yeah, absolutely. So each provider is going to do it a little bit differently, but um, most commonly they're going to put it into categories one, two, three, and four. Um, and let's say, for example, one is you work behind a desk in an office. The likelihood of you getting injured or needing to take time off work because of an accident is very unlikely. Uh, to the other end of the spectrum being category four, let's call it, um, that might be somebody that works on the motorway. For example, and is oh, like putting out cones there, yeah, so doing repairs, yeah. And- so working in a dangerous environment, the chances of you getting income protection there are are unlikely. Um, at the end of the day, the insurance provider they calculate the risk of, of a payout when you, you you take out a policy, and that's why yeah. we we call it on risk when a policy is live. Um, and if the insurance provider doesn't think it's worthwhile, then of course they're not going to offer that insurance. Um, to put it in perspective, like I, like I mentioned, is if you're driving on the most dangerous motorway in the world, uh, you need to let your insurance provider know that your car insurance provider, and the chances are it's going to be expensive because of how dangerous it might be and how likely the provider is to, to need to pay out in the future. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean if you've got a dangerous job, you can't have income protection. It might mean that the <clears throat> the premiums are just going to be higher. But again, it comes back to you get out of it what you pay for. Um, if the premiums are higher, it's because of the, the fact that you, you're more, likely, the, the, to yeah, you're more yeah. likely to claim the risk is higher. Um, so, yeah, the way you want to look at it, if you're going to take out income protection is, yes, it might say, say for example, £50 a month, but let's say in six months' time you need to claim on that, that £50 a month has just made you £2,000 a month to make sure that you can keep paying your bills. Um, But yeah, of course, it is broken up into different categories based off of risk for income protection. I understand as well, you touched on it earlier as well, that you don't necessarily... So there is value as well. For for example, um, I think it was one of the insurers in LNG did a study this recently, which said the value of a stay-at-home parent is normally as a minimum around about twenty thousand yeah. pounds or so. Yeah. Um, so income protection is designed to protect your income, but it also cover you as well, and and you know provide even if you were say for example I don't know say a stay at home parent for absolutely, example, um, and they can pay out. I don't know how is it is it kind of up to twenty. 000, I think it, yeah, it? I think you're bang on there. Up to twenty thousand pounds. It's going to be different, a little bit different with with providers. They'll mm-hmm. they'll vary, but it's around that area. Um, and most of the providers I, I sort of am aware of, it is twenty thousand pounds, and that is because uh, a stay at home parent is just as important as a, as a parent who goes to work to provide the the, the, the income for, for the household. So working conditions are a bit tougher. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And you can't take a break even when you're working <laughs> exactly. at home. Um, but that's something we'd call uh, own occupation. So, you know, that is, it's just as important as, as having a, a full-time employed job or a self-employed job. Yeah. Um, because if you get ill and you can no longer look after your children, you might and need to, to pay pay you know childcare, yeah. um and i think that's really important and it's, it's great that insurance providers recognize that mm-hmm. because there are a lot of parents that say for example um one of the parents got ill and the other parent had to uh take time off work to look after the children that income protection is going to provide support for both of those parents mm-hmm. so the children can still be looked after um so yeah I, I think that's something that not a lot of people know about either not a lot of um clients that you'll speak to will know that if they're unemployed they can have income protection and it's really important to to educate the clients on that because it's a very very useful policy and again the risk of you needing to use income protection when you're a stay-at-home parent is lower. So the premiums are going to be lower than, say, if you're going out and working every day. Fantastic. Oh, excellent. Um, one of the questions that we were kind of asked, we, we put a, a poll out beforehand in one of our, on our podcast group and said, what questions have you got for insurance specialists? One that's come back and said, um, you know, uh, insurance companies, you know, they, they don't pay out, they try and find a way not to kind of pay out uh, and that sort of stuff. You know, just, just give us an example of, I mean, basically like all, all of the insurance companies are now very heavily regulated. So they have kind of, you know, things they have to pay out for. If you're not happy with that, too, you can always go to the ombudsman, you can go to the SA and that sort of stuff. So 
but, but just you know, tell me what, why would some policies kind of not pay out? In what conditions yeah. would it not pay out? Basically, absolutely. So when you take out a policy, um, there's something we call duty of disclosure. So you need to be honest about your health conditions. You need to be honest about your work conditions, um, because if you have been din- been dishonest when it comes to time of claim, whenever that might be, yeah. the insurance provider is going to look at that. Now, if you've been dishonest, then the premium you got is and the underwriting that's been processed for that uh, that application and policy is incorrect. Yeah. So that invalidates the policy. So that is okay. the main reason that life insurance policies won't be paid out. So nothing else above that. Do tell the truth when you're doing your make sure you disclose everything you possibly can. Absolutely. Um, you know, if there is every institution known you're you're fully covered no matter what happens. 100%. Um and you know there are there are policies out there that if you have a condition that you find um, is is making you uninsurable with these providers, there are providers that will offer you policies that exclude that single condition. Yeah. So for example, if you've got diabetes and it, the premium's too high um, for you to take out a, a fully comprehensive um, package, you can go to a different provider and take out a policy that covers everything but diabetes. So when you pass away, if it's a life insurance policy. They'll look at the reason for death, and if it was diabetes, then it doesn't pay out. But you didn't pay for that cover. You paid for the, everything else. Everything else about that, basically. About that, yeah. So there are plenty of options out there for you, but it is so important, to be honest, because the worst thing for your family, because it's not you that's going to be receiving that life insurance payout, it's your family. And the worst thing for them is when you're not here anymore, you have left this life insurance policy, which for a lot of families is a legacy for the person that passed away. They come to claim, and they find out they're not going to get a payout. And I can see why it's it's really that's easy. Hard. Yeah, that's exactly. really really hard. And uh, you know, it's it's not just that it's it's a disappointing feeling for the family. It's also it's the cost gonna, of how dying. They do that, is, is, how are they going to do it? How are they going to? Yeah, you thought you had a way. Okay, brilliant. Well, I can now stay in my home. Exactly. Brilliant. We can now you know continue to raise the kids. Whatever they're not disrupted, all of a sudden they get thrown into disarray because absolutely you lied about lifestyle or you know whatever else. Oh, that's the thing on lifestyle as well. You know, we do have some clients that, you know, maybe have led maybe a bit of a party lifestyle and that sort of stuff. We'd always recommend you be totally open, totally 100%. honest. You know, I'd, I'd rather you be covered if, if you smoke, for example, than if you didn't smoke. And, yeah. you know, and then everyone find out that, that you are smoking, you know, the difference in premium might have been 10 or 20 pounds with that compared yeah. to your 200 grand life policy paying yeah. out really is, is kind of pittance. Yeah. And I mean, for for a lot of people, they think, oh, they'll, you know, I, I'm a smoker, but I'll put down that I didn't smoke or I don't smoke because I plan on quitting in a couple of months. There's There are policies out there for you to have while you're a smoker that's going to lower yeah. your premium. And you can change it. So and then you, you can change it. And you can go, look, exactly. I'm smoking now. These are steps I've taken. Absolutely. I've you know, shown that I can... Yeah, and it's, it's important to be honest because, like I was saying, the cost of dying nowadays is about £10,000 just for a funeral. Yeah. And the last thing you want is to get to, to that point, you've passed away and your family think that they've got £200,000 coming in to cover the funeral, the mortgage, childcare, um, and it doesn't come in. So now not only are they left to pay the mortgage on their own, but they've got £10,000 debt because you've got a funeral to pay for as well. Um, and on top of that, all of those premiums that you paid each month, They've gone they're now. Void, they're, yeah. they're void. They, they, they disappear and, and you get nothing out of that. So duty of disclosure is uh, is huge. And, and like you said, we're heavily regulated by the FCA and it's something that we and, you know, all insurance providers out there are really hot on. Um, you know, there's we make sure to to let the, the clients know that they must be honest when we're going for an application. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, so let's kind of go back then to, to kind of say, for example, like a, 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 I say, I know, a life and kick policy, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say, for example, we, we, we've been for the underwriting what a kind of the underwriting basically is whereby but most of the form so we'll kind of we'll say to you we'll explain all the differences to you these are all the different types of insurances these are what you can have these are the cost of those what do you like to have then we'll go through underwriting yeah underwriting basically means then that we ask you know it's quite a few medical questions maybe like you know 50 60 questions yeah um in a format if they're just doing those questions we need kind of a bit more information on maybe family history maybe any problems you've had in the past maybe you've got high blood pressure what's happening with that and how's that kind of kind of managed um insurers you know if you're waiting say for example for i know results for tests for example they want to what it's our first of all before they cover 100%. you um but after we've been through the insurance question it then goes normally in, in, into underwriting yeah um so what generally are the underwriting outcomes from that so we'll fill in the form it'll go you know sometimes automatically accepted other times it'll go to look be looked at manually yeah. so what can happen those what are the kind of outcomes of those yes yeah, good question so underwriting is obviously really important for, for for life insurance critical illness especially because we're going to be looking at um what conditions you've currently got how you're managing those conditions. And based mm-hmm. on that information, we're going to either approve you with no yeah. loading. So that would be standard terms, um, which means you'll get the price for based off of your age and your gender. In yeah. some cases, some some providers don't 
don't uh, sort of rate on gender. Um, but if you have, say, for example, um, like you said, high blood pressure, it, it isn't going to be a set. You're getting a fifty percent loading because of your high blood pressure. A loading basically means you just is an increase for it, which is absolutely fantastic. We just need to pay a little bit more for absolutely. that extra risk. Absolutely. So, so for example, um, Barry, you've got high blood pressure, um, but you're Spanish. looking after yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going I'm to the doctors. <laughs> you go to the doctors every six months. You get your checkup. You looked yep. after. You're taking your medication. Um, you're doing as you're told by your doctor, and it's under control. But you yep. have to let us know you've got it. There is going to be a loading because you've got high blood pressure. And of course, if you've got high blood pressure, you're more susceptible to heart attacks, um, yeah. strokes, things like that. Um, so there is going to be a slight loading, but each provider will do it differently. But every underwriting team from within the, the top providers of, of, of insurance are going to look at things in detail. They're not going to see you high blood pressure, yep, 50% loading, you've got to pay an extra £12 for your policy. It will be done based off of the client. And that's why it can take sometimes two weeks to get through underwriting, depending on the severity of the case and how complicated it is. Um, and like you said, there are some policies out there that don't have any human underwriting. They'll yeah. be done by a computer. Um, and so, for example, there are killer questions. So if you say yes to any of those questions, it's a decline. Um, um, if you say yes to some questions, it's an automatic loading. Um, a, a great example is smoking. That is straight away a 50% loading on most policies. Yeah. And then this was the <coughs> thing about, about using uh, a broker, for example, like, like we do with mortgages, with insurance brokers as well, all um, for certain conditions, different insurance companies have different loadings. So, for yeah. example, for ourselves, we can kind of ring around beforehand. Most uh, insurance such will have a pre-underwriting line yeah. uh, where you go, right, I've got a client this condition. What is the, the potential extra additional cost or loading going to be, basically? And what we'll do, we'll ring all the insurers and find out who was what, and we'll kind of then look at, you know, who's going to be chest, who's going to be cheapest and who's going to offer them the, the best for that. So yeah, I think it's a really kind of valid point about actually going to brokers. They'll be able to understand yeah. and better get the best premiums for you, depending on which insurer they go to and pre-find out all that information. 100%. And you can do as much research as you want as a, as a member of the public looking into life insurance. But when it comes to complicated cases like that, where you know there's going to be a load-in for certain conditions, going to a broker is the best thing you can do. Um, they One, they have you know a, a duty to do the right thing by you and find you the best policy, but they have relationships with the providers. They are going to get an honest answer when they get through to that pre-sales underwriting line um, and it, because it's in the interest of the provider to do so as well. Um, it, it's not to say that you can't do that yourself um, as a member of the public to, to go out and try and find life insurance and, and find the best policy for you if you've got a certain condition. Let's say, for example, diabetes, Royal London are fantastic with that um, in comparison to other providers. Providers. Yeah. Um, but a broker is going to have that knowledge and may, they are going to find you a, the most suitable policy in the most efficient time as well. And I'd say things, I don't know for ourselves, we don't make a, a charge for any kind of, you know, insurance policies that we sell. We do get a little bit of money back from insurance company, of course. Um, but they're all about the same anyway. We just yeah. want to make sure really the client's got exactly the right cover for, 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 for who is they're with. So as I say, there's no kind of charge. So kind of why wouldn't you use a broker? Exactly. There's there's um, no charge to you. Um, it's, it's of course, the broker's going to get commission. They're not going to do this for free, um, but it's no charge to the client. And... At the end of the day, every every broker, the mindset on, on mortgages and protection should be the same, that I want to make sure that the policy I set up now is suitable for as long as possible. You know, I don't want to be reviewing my client's life insurance policy in two years' time and having to rewrite another policy. So, you know, that's only going to make their life harder. Um, and it does affect their commission as well. So when you go to a broker, you should feel like you're in safe hands, especially within protection. And would 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 a client say, for example, would they pay any more for their insurance premium going for a broker than what they would, I don't know, direct to insurance company? Or is it the same? It should be exactly the same. Okay. Uh, pricing should be the exact same. And, and like I said, because there's no charge from the broker, you're going to get the same price as if you went on GoCompare. You might as well get it for free. And exactly. <laughs> you and might get, get the, the advice, advice that you the want. The advice yeah. is essentially free. Yeah. Um, the commission comes directly from the provider, and that is because they've used the provider. It's got nothing to do with the client at all. So, you know, it's... Um, it's like, it's, it, to put it into to a car perspective again, you know, you can go out and look at cars on your own. You can get up the apps on your phone or you can go to a dealership and they're going to tell you exactly what you need, what you're looking at. And yeah. you're going to feel like you're in safe hands. Um, and it's not so much about the start of the policy, but it's about what the policy can offer you down the line as well. When you come to point a claim really is the most exactly. important thing, isn't it? That makes so, up. Exactly. And brokers are going to have that information. This is what they do for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, so to go back to the underwriting outcomes again, so um, I know that we had um, a straight pass, we had a straight decline, we had a loading. Yeah. What else might happen when you go for underwriting? Um, they can apply uh, exclusions to okay. your policy. So for example, if we have a client that has um, 
attempted suicide, which is a really touchy subject, but mental health has been, uh, you know, it's, it's at the top of everyone's minds at the moment following COVID. Um, Wait, I just want to put the point out, it, it wasn't until I started doing this job that I, I only realised that how... Uh, how mental health has affected so many people, 100%. and it wasn't kind of you look at people from the outside. Clients come in, and they're all having bubbling this sort of stuff, and you, and then, then we get to kind of underwrite, and you're like, whoa, I, I just I didn't expect that. Yeah. It's just, and it was so much more commonplace than I ever knew before. Before I started doing, you know, before one hundred percent issues, I really was kind of quite taken aback how, how common it is, but no one talks about it. No one talks about it, and of course, you know, no one talks about it because society has a stigma around it. Scary and, subject, isn't it? Of course, and, and to a certain extent, until recently. Um, life insurance providers had a stigma around it and you'd get a load in sometimes yeah. for having mental health problems and you, you, you might still get a load in for those mental health problems but a lot of uh, providers now have changed their view of it they've changed their perspective whereas if you had counselling in the last five years going two years back you'd get a load in for having the counselling a lot of providers now if you're having counselling it reduces the load in because you're, you're doing something to better yourself but say for example a client has attempted suicide or thought about suicide um three or four times in the last 10 years or they thought about it you know in the last two years quite a lot the insurance provider might be willing to offer you life insurance with one exclusion being no suicide now every policy out there is going to essentially exclude uh, suicide within the first 12 months usually um, because that is to avoid people taking out life insurance committing suicide and their family receiving a payout um, but yeah th th it can be you can exclude many conditions so don't approach life insurance with uh, the idea that i can't get this because of my condition because once it goes to underwriting they might see that you're healthy apart from your fibromyalgia, um, or they might see that you're healthy apart from the fact that um, you have a, a rare condition, um, yeah. and you can have protection for absolutely everything else. It's about finding really the right provider yes. for that condition. Same absolutely. as with mortgage, it's about finding you know the, the right <coughs> best provider for, for that particular you know issue that you have. One hundred percent. And the thing we find now, just talking about kind of the the, the way lender, uh, the way insurers have changed towards kind of their attitude towards, you know, mental health and mental health conditions. A lot of them now will have um, some sort of, you know, helpline that we've to take a life insurance policy and you want to kind of speak to someone there can provide help and support for 100%. you about that. It's a massive change. We're seeing more and more insurers kind of come across this now and realise that mental health has an absolutely, you know, massive role in, in people's lives. Huge. And without putting too harsh a point on it, you know, the, the more uh, work that insurance companies can, can, can do on that, the less, you know, without, on a, purely you know financial point of view the less likely there are people to claim on that absolutely and you know you're 100 percent correct with those value-added services as we call them in the industry yeah. um you know for example uh, aviva has um digicare plus and yeah. um you know a few other providers have something that, that, that's similar and smart Some health opinions, and yeah cover, all these different and you know they aren't just for yourself and that's one of the the, the 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 main things that i would be talking about with clients when it comes to protection that it isn't just the protection that it provides for you it can provide um that that DigiPlus uh, healthcare app that Aviva can offer you, it's for yourself and your family. Yeah. So not only are you going to be protected, but say you've got a young child, they need to see a doctor. They can't be seen till Thursday because the queue's at a doctor. You can access a, a, a 24 hour GP service. Yeah. Um, you know, it's great the insurance providers are providing this. And at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit both parties. Yeah. Uh, we're offering a service that is going to benefit people when it comes to mental health, when it comes to physical health, and it's and it's global and it's, it's accessible all the time. It's going to lower the chances of claims um, later down the line because a lot of people, for example, don't want to go to the doctors, especially recently because of COVID. They don't feel comfortable going into a, a GP service, but they might feel comfortable having a half hour slot on a phone with a trained professional at the top of their, you know, the top of their league in terms of what they do for a living um, and they can get diagnosed over the phone and it's, it removes that anxiety for a lot of people especially with mental health because like you mentioned no one wants to talk about it but if you can access a service on your phone and speak to a professional that is going to be person. yeah a yeah. real life person and have that session maybe six times a year um, and it's completely free it's, it's off the back of your life insurance policy yeah. That means you're less like we're less likely to pay out because we're looking after our clients in terms of yeah. their mental and physical health as well. And it has become a lot more popular in the last, I'd say, five years that insurance providers are doing this. And I think it's in an attempt to, you know, change the stigma around protection as well. Yeah. It isn't just for when you die. Yeah. It's for when you're alive too. And and I mean we a, a large provider did, did a little bit of research into their value added services and 
I think it was a 98% satisfaction rate. Yeah. 97% people said that they'd recommend it to their friends. And we asked how much would they pay for it? And uh, the customers came back and said they'd pay up to £500 for that value-added service. Well, then they get it for free when exactly. it's on insurance. Exactly. And they, you know, when we asked to break down that cost, uh, the customers said that £30 of that each month would be on the GP service. Yeah. So that's you know £360 a year they're willing to pay for a virtual GP access. That shows how important it is to the clients. And bearing in mind, life insurance policies start from, what, six, seven quid a month? If you're 18 and you want to take out a life insurance policy for £100,000, you can get that for £4.50. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that I used to say before I did the role I do now, I used to sell protection directly to the public. Mm-hmm. And I'd speak to somebody in their early 20s, um, all the way up to, to maybe their, their late 20s, early 30s. And I'd say, you know, why haven't you got protection yet? And what are you, what are you using it for? They might say that they need to cover, um, they, they've got a partner and they want to make sure that something's left over. Then they see the premium at the end and it's £10 a month and they think, oh, I don't want to do that. My first question is, have you got phone insurance? Yeah, yeah, I've got phone insurance. How much do you pay for that? About 10 a month. Okay, so what's more important, your phone or your life at the end of the day? And it switches. So it is that cheap. And when you put it into comparison, if you have a coffee a week from Costa or Starbucks or any, any of these big coffee shops, one coffee a week is the same amount as a life insurance policy a month. It's really not that unaffordable for a lot of people. Of course, there are people in circumstances where life insurance is just out of reach because a lot of people have conditions that they have no control over. They've been unlucky. Yeah. They have conditions that are going to make those policies more expensive. But again, there are options. For example, a lot of providers will offer you the option to take out a, uh, a policy that increases in the future. So you can take a policy out and the premium will be quite low. Uh, and then sort of 80% of the policy uh, length or term it will start to increase again because you've got to match the the full cost of the policy. But while you are in a, a tough financial situation, there are policies that will start cheaper for you. And if it gets to a point where they're too expensive, everyone needs to understand that no one's tied into life insurance. You know, yeah, you're not going to stop gonna, any time. Yeah, you you can leave stop any premiums, time. That's it. Like. Exactly. You know, you don't even have to. And it, you know, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but you don't even have to contact the life insurance provider to cancel your policy. You just got to cancel your direct debit. And yeah. I think when people start to understand that. The fear disappears about taking life insurance out and, and more people do take it out because, for example, I uh, had, a, uh, had a case recently where somebody wanted to take out a life insurance policy for three years only, three years only. Um, he, he the, the advisor said to me, look, we might not even need it for three years because it's to cover a loan. What if he pays the loan back before the three years ended? Not a problem. You don't need to have the life, the life insurance for the full term. It is really what you need and, and, and it's there to suit you. Let's think you just want to check. And, so, and the other thing as well is to have those policies regularly checked as well. Because yeah. like you said, you know, there are different policies that, you know, uh, I mean, for us, the majority of premiums that we sell with Jerry tend to be guaranteed premiums. We know 100%. what those premiums are every yeah. single day, month in, month out. They don't increase. But you're right, there are some times whereby, you know, certain insurances might bet people they do start off and they do kind of go up. But, you know, we can review those every little while anyway. Yeah. So if that was to happen, you haven't reviewed every two, three, four, yeah. five years, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So, for example, um, clients that have a high BMI or yeah. they're, they're currently smoking. Um, I mean, a lot of providers nowadays, they do add a, a load in for um, ex-smokers for up to five years. Um, yeah. But say you're a smoker, you want to quit or, you've, you, like I said, you've got a high BMI. You know you're, you're looking to lose mm. weight. But if you were to take out a, a guaranteed premium policy, you know the premium is going to be quite high because your BMI is quite high and there's a load in for that clients can take out one of these policies that start really cheap and don't get more expensive until say three four five years down the line yeah. lose that weight in the two years or quit that smoking and have this policy for five years go back to their advisor after that two years or after they've lost the weight and then look at a guaranteed uh, sort of a policy of guaranteeing premiums yeah. because the loading is going to be removed because you'll be a miser in level because you've changed basically you've changed. less of risk and therefore exactly. your premiums a bit less um, and most people don't understand that in life insurance they think it is a you know, A to B, it's this much money. There's no other choice. You've either got to pay that or you don't get it. And that really isn't the case. You know, we, we uh, providers want to offer cover to absolutely everybody that they can. And that is why there are propositions like that, aren't there? Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, so one of the questions that we've got kind of involved is, like, oh, first, let me just go back to the uh, outcomes for, for so I'll yeah. start on that. And yeah, yeah. So basically, you just kind of cover that off. So when you go for underwriting, it's like if you get accepted, declined 
excluded or potentially might have a, a, a bit of a, kind of a, a rating, basically. Yeah, a rating. Yeah. Um, but after that, then you can kind of firm that's what you want. The premium go, the, the policy goes in place. Um, you know, you might, for example, have a uh, premium one that you want to pay. So therefore, you know, if there is a bit of loading, sometimes what we can do is to, I'd rather you have some insurance than no insurance. Um, so it means if you do have a tight budget, we can cover you kind of up to that budget, basically yeah. kind of have a really good shop around and Absolutely. change it, you know, it's change kind of little bits and tweak it all to make sure we bring it into to the kind of premium you want to pay. 100%. And, you know, it's... Um Going back to that guaranteed premium, um, you know, you get your underwriting, you get your terms applied, uh, and your premium might be um, fifty pound a month. Um, you can have things that we call it uh, GIOs or guaranteed mm-hmm. insurability options. Yeah, you can um, change it. You can change your insurance. Yeah, for life events. So, for example, you have a client that you sorted out their protection five years ago. They're coming up for a review on their mortgage. They're actually moving house. They're getting into a bigger property now. They've got kids. Married, you can activate. Yeah, they're married. You can activate that GIO and increase the life insurance up to a certain percentage maybe 50% of the original sum assured mm-hmm. um, and again you can decrease it uh, you know most uh, most providers will let you decrease your 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 life insurance policy at any time mm-hmm. um, because to them it, it, it's a it's a smaller payout at that okay. point so there's no risk to them and George what, what insurances do you have personally well I have life insurance and I have income protection so okay. the two most important things to me are, are if I die, I leave a legacy. There's going to be no debt for my family. I'd love to have a critical illness policy. Unfortunately, I'm a type 1 diabetic and it's quite expensive to have a critical illness policy at that point. Um, but income protection to me at my age is really important because if I was to get ill uh, at any point in the next 10 years, it's going to have, you know, I'm not in a position where I own a, I own a property. I'm not in a position where I have a passive income. So income protection is, you know, a lot of people live um, paycheck to paycheck. And that is a situation that, that I live in at the moment. You know, I, I, I live off my means. So income protection to me is vital, more important than life insurance to a certain extent. There, there has been a recent policy, that, there has been a recent study that's been done as well that reckon that down south, we, we, we spend all of our money a lot more than yeah, we do. maybe up yeah. north and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So but there is, there is a, a load of research been done that reckon that, you know, between if if a client's income was to stop normally they have around about 14 days worth of yeah. savings i think was the yeah. was in this area which is which is shocking it is shocking and i mean you know that that ties into the cost of living crisis that we're all feeling at the moment it's um more now more than ever following on from covid looking at a potential recession that we're going to be entering into yeah people don't have savings um but Put it this way, it's easier to spend £25 a month on an income protection policy than it is to save £25 a month. Because, true. because you know, get to the end of the month and that £25 a month, is that £25 there, you're going to spend it on your takeaway or a few more pints down the pub before payday. Might have gone car parts. There we go. Um, and it's just easy to spend. But when that comes out of your bank account, the £25 is gone. But if the the worst was to happen in terms of you've got to take time off work, you've got, you've got protection. And, and that is the most important thing. What does it mean to you? You know, how, what does the protection mean to you? Is it worth paying for? Nine times out of ten it is. So, Barry, what have you got in terms of protection? Oh, um, right. Uh, right. So, we basically have um, uh, more secreting uh, term insurance, which basically helps, covers our mortgage. So, if anything happens to me and my wife, then uh, mortgage is paid off. That means a surviving person can actually live in the property without having a mortgage on it. Um, both of us have income protection policies um, because we couldn't, we, we basically, both our incomes kind of help manage the home, basically. So, yeah we didn't have one income we'd need to kind of have both those incomes on to pay all the bills and that sort of yeah. stuff um and then we have then a little bit of a critical illness policy which means that it's only for a little bit it's only for like, still a big bit for about fifty thousand pounds yeah but it means that if say for example if one of us is um long-term sick it means that we can buy operators to kind of change the layout of the house potentially yeah. or Really, we can use that that chunk of money to go on like one last family holiday to make those amazing memories. To yeah. you know, really have that one last a legacy. Uh, yeah, half kind of yeah. to remember for the kids to remember that great time we had, and yeah. you know, before kind of one of us. But it sounds horrible. To, oh, it sounds horrible, but it's, myself, talk about death. It even kind of makes me well up and go. Shh, shh. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Death death and money are two of the hardest things to talk about at all. And when it comes to life insurance, you're talking about both. Um, And you know, just just drawing off of what you just said there, critical illness. You using that for for the sake of the changing the house and and leaving a legacy to the kids. Income protection. You're using that to make sure that you can support the kids and your yeah. family still if they're not there and obviously life insurance to make sure that if you are no longer here you're supporting your your kids and your partner from yeah. from the grave essentially um and you know why have you got all three of those policies you know why haven't this is a question i used to get asked quite a lot why do, why do i need all three of those policies well i mean you don't if you've been you don't 
need to have you should you know you should, don't, you don't yeah. need yeah. To, to have any anything by, by law but I recommend that you know because <clears throat> for ourselves the the cost of those policies all right you know our policies we didn't take them out when we were very young they are quite expensive they're probably about you know 80 or quid a month mm-hmm. which is which is you know it's, it's not not cheap it's not kind of oh, throw away money yeah. um but you know for that policy it means that i know no matter what happens the kids are right it's, it's that reassurance you know yeah. i know no matter what happens we're not going to leave behind an absolute thunderstorm of crap that, that they're going to have to kind of go through because that's what we has been advising you do kind of see that you see the other side of it where some kind of sits there goes right okay so you know I know you did our policy what do we do we kind of right, pull up all your notes look back well actually um, yeah you, you know we've got life insurance which is, which is kind of you know that's a fun bit of critical honestly it's yeah. the same at the time you said that you didn't think you are ever going to get ill yeah um that's a bit of a tough yeah you get, and you're going to find that like I said one of the hardest things to talk about is death you'll find that people that have those three policies in place yeah. are more than happy to talk about death because once it comes and when it comes they know that their family looked after they know that everything that is going to be left behind is positive rather than negative for their family and one of the things we haven't covered yet there's kind of a little bit of so like family income protection and that yeah, sort of stuff family, family income benefit. benefit yeah absolutely mm-hmm. so that again is is it's not very common. A lot of people don't know about it in terms of what we call it FIB, family income benefit. It's cheap. It's really, it is really, really, cheap. Really, really cheap. Yeah, really cheap. And, and again, it's, it's an alternative to, to make sure that if anything was to happen, your family is still looked after. Um, it, it's not something that I even deal with a lot, family income benefit. You know, advisors don't speak to me about it a lot. They, they bring it up to their clients on a, on a regular basis, but they don't really like educating people about it um, because of, you know, I hate to say it, but because it is that cheap, um, nine times out of 10, it is that cheap. The commission that the advisor gets isn't, isn't great. So they would rather position an, an income protection policy rather than a so family. They paid different things. I didn't know they paid any, I thought they just, or, I mean, I honestly didn't know that. Is it, is it a difference between those between two, the diff, different type of um, amounts that those policies can pay out for the premium? In terms of what do you mean for you, family? When you said, when you said that the, the commission isn't the same. For- yeah, so depending on the premium, yeah. the commission's obviously going to be a lot lower. Okay. And because family income benefit policies are nine times out of ten cheaper than like an income protection policy, a critical illness policy, or a life policy, well, I say life policy, maybe not a life policy, but because it pays out when you're still alive, um, the advisor is nine times out of ten going to go to income protection okay. for that reason. Um, it's something that I think clients should be educated on family income benefit. Um, well, there's a need for it, really. So, I mean, the, the yeah. way, where we see it mostly, so say, for example, we have uh, you know uh, a family whereby you've got you know mum and dad not together anymore yeah. uh, you've got a couple of kids or whatever the dad for example is um, paying maintenance or the, one of the parents maintenance. Are paying maintenance to the other parent yeah. um, even if that parent was to pass away there's still a need for that maintenance to still be paid yeah, because you, you, you know you're relying the other family members relying mm. on that to be able to you know afford to be able to live every month pay bills kind of contribute it's towards the kids so yeah. exactly so family income protection benefit we often see as a need for if say for example there is you know a maintenance payment even in the event the same did happen means you can still cover children to the age of I don't know 18 or 21 or whether they come out of full-time education yeah and I think you know family income benefit is great as well because um, say the, the dad wants to take the policy out on the, the mum's life and they're separated they can do that so <laughs> not if he wants to kill her off like <laughs> yeah, yeah obviously not don't kill her off but you know you if there is a main breadwinner in the family, yeah. that family then splits up. There is still protection there, and that's what family income benefit is there for. It's yeah. to make sure that the family is. Get, that, it's in the name, you know. At the end of the day, it's to make sure that the family is looked after if the worst was to happen. And, yeah. and it's not. It's, it's obviously difficult to talk about family income benefit when the, the you know nine times out of ten it's used for parents that are split up. Yeah. So it's. When parents split up. You can't have a chat with them. Yeah. So, by the way, when you guys do split yeah. up, how do you feel about FIB? Exactly, it's not- exactly. And I think that's probably why it's a little bit less common. But for, for families that have been, for example, um, a, a couple get together and, um, you know, they, they get pregnant and they decide to split up during the pregnancy, it's a really, really good way for, for whatever parent wants to, to ensure the other parent to make sure that that, that child's going to be supported yeah. even though they're Throughout separated. The time, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's really useful. That's cool. Um, so going back to, say, for example, things like life insurance, group wellness, uh, 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 policy. So 
in death, a joint policy is kind of relatively simple. So a policy between two people is relatively simple because the money will generally be left to the other person yeah. as a rule of thumb. So if you have mm-hmm. husband, wife, generally money will be left to the other person. What happens when uh, the person say, well, some, say for example, a single person, what do you recommend they might like to do then and why should they do it? So basically, yeah. why should a person use a trust? A yeah, trust? yeah. So obviously, when you're single, um, you haven't got any uh, natural legal beneficiaries that your estate's going to go to. You know, you might go to your, your parents uh, or um, a sibling, but to make sure it goes to the right person, you want to be using a trust. Because under the rules of, of intestacy, which is what happens when you basically die. So say, for example, we've had clients which kind of really feel strongly about it. So for example, they might have, um, if everything really passed away, normally it goes to your uh, your other, your husband or wife, first of yeah. all. Failing that, it then goes to your kids. After that, it then goes into your parents. Yeah. After that, there's brothers and sisters. Yeah. And after that, it's then, I think, is it aunties and uncles? And Possibly. State. Yeah, it, it's, so, it's so complicated and it's... It takes a long time. If you haven't got a trust and you die and the money is, is being divvied up between people, it can take, you know, probate is, is a really long, drawn-out process. The benefit of having a trust is when you pass away, you know exactly where that money is going to. Um, you can also assign a, a trustee so that when you pass away, if your beneficiary at the time is, say, your child who's three years old, yes. the trustee can look after that money and make sure the beneficiary is going to get it. So not only are you intending to leave that money for somebody, you know that when you pass away it's going to be left for him it's a legally binding contract to trust um so it has to be honored over over sort of the the law of intestine yeah Yeah, it's 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 something that most providers will ask you to do but we don't require it on 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 a lot of our policies so for example if you're looking at um obviously business protection and things like that that sort of life insurance requires trust because it's off on a life of another but when it's personal protection there isn't one required but i would always recommend that you get a trust in there you get two trustees and you get two beneficiaries as well Mm -hmm. because um even if you're even if you're uh, it's a joint life policy there are circumstances where it's joint life policy there's no trust in place because the 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 idea is is that the person surviving will receive the benefit what happens if you die in a car crash with your partner what happens if uh, and it's horrible to think about it's horrible to talk about again but what happens if your whole family's in the car and you die in a, a car accident and there's no trust so even in a joint life uh, second event policy Put it into trust. Make sure that you know where your money's going. At the end of the day, if you had a hundred thousand pound in your bank account, um, you give it to me. Yeah, exactly. Yes, of course, <laughs> but you, you'd want to know where that money's going to yeah, exactly. go where, when you pass away because you worked hard for that money. You're paying for your life insurance policy. You want to know where it's going. And the other thing as well is that, is that so just confirm. So um, even when that policy does pay out, you don't have to wait kind of weeks and months exactly. to go for a probate to kind of get it's just there, and then it goes where you want it to go to, nice quickly. Uh, and that's just it. It's all paid out. So that means Absolutely. that if any money's needed to pay for costs, to pay funerals, for, I know inheritance tax, whatever else, yeah. it's, it's all kind of there it's and it's, it's ready to. Yeah, use. of course, and and as well, if you um, you know if you put money into a trust as well, and you want to. You don't necessarily need to keep the same beneficiaries in there. You can change it at any time. So, you, you know, if you wanted to pick your, and it's horrible to think about, but you wanted to pick your, pick your favorite child, your favorite child, child changes. and then it changes. Um, or for example, what, that's not the best example. It's not the best example, but a good example is um, you have your you have your life insurance policy for 50 years. Yeah. Your trustees and your beneficiaries actually pass away. You can change those. Yeah. Or you get, later in life, you get looked after via a carer and that carer has, you know, gone above and beyond for you and you want to leave some money there you can add them to the beneficiaries as well, well not, not only that as well i mean in, in a sort of trust that you talk about you know family conditions will change as time Absolutely. goes on so for Absolutely. example you know you might have you know a, a, a family just here then for example that family dynamic changes new partner comes in new children you're going to want to make sure that it's all it's being kind of divvied divvied up. Up. So, yeah, and the, the way that you want it so you probably would look saying, I don't know, like discretion trust or something, which is going to mean that you can actually make those changes. Yeah. It's not fixed. Absolutely, yeah. And again, for example, you might take a policy out when you've got children because a lot of people take life insurance out because they're having children mm-hmm. um, and they might put their three children I- I- as as beneficiaries um, and, and all of them as trustees or um, however you want it. But as those children grow up, it can be evident that one of those children is more sensible than the other two. And, you know, you can trust them a little bit more to deal with the finances. Um, and it really does just come down to personal preference. Um, yeah. And as providers, you know, providers are not going to tell you that you need to do it they're not going to tell you how to do it they're not going to you know advise you on that because it's got nothing to do with with the actual provider but every single provider would prefer to have you you know your policy put into trust because one the claims process is so much easier and two it usually means that the family are going to be happier at the end of the process as well with the provider themselves okay 
So again, it's probably another reason to not blow on trumpets, but kind of go see a broker because they will actually Absolutely, take care. Absolutely, because trusts are a maze. Um, if you don't know what you're looking at, you will struggle to fill that form out. And even if... That's difficult for us, we have to ring up you guys. Yeah, okay. and that hey, is exactly, exactly. So go to a broker for that. Um, you, know, it, you know, people go to solicitors for that, but why would you pay for it? Go to a broker, they're sorting out your life insurance, they'll put it into a trust for you. And then at the same time, if you want to make those changes, go back to your broker. They know yeah. what they're talking about. Fantastic. Um, brilliant. Well, I just want to say, George, thank you very much for coming to see us, mate. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, we've just discussed, we've been recording for like a really long time. I didn't even realise time's just absolutely flown. Um, so thank you very much for coming and see us. Thank you for having um, me. It's been brilliant, mate. Thank you so much indeed. Absolute pleasure, anytime. Um, well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. Um, we'd like to say, say a massive thank you to our special guest. Uh, thanks for coming and speaking to us. Um, if you found this episode helpful, helpful. If you found this episode helpful, uh, please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and uh, hit that bell button to be notified of any new episodes. Thank you very much, and we'll see you again next week. So sometimes we may actually talk about mortgages and so on, which, as you know, is your regulated activity. So that kind of may form a financial promotion. So we just have to run through some risk warnings, basically. So first of all, we're talking about residential mortgages. Your home may repossessed. Do not keep repayments on your mortgage. If we're talking about buy-to-let mortgages. Your property may repossessed. If you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. Talk about let-to-buy mortgages. Your property may be repossessed. If you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage. Uh, also, some buy-to-let mortgages are not regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. We've talked about lifetime home reversion plans. This lifetime mortgage home reversion plan. To understand features and risks, please ask for a personal illustration. If we happen to talk about debt consolidation we have to include the sentence think carefully before securing debts against your home your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on your mortgage if you haven't talked about second charges or secured loans your home may be repossessed if you do not keep up repayments on a mortgage or any other debt secured on it but if we talk about equity release a lifetime mortgage is not available for everyone it's important to seek financial advice before taking any action all other options available should be explored before choosing equity release interest is charged on both the original loan and interest that's been added the amount you owe will increase over time reducing the equity left in your property potentially to nothing please discuss with your family and beneficiaries if we happen to talk about commercial lending. We have to let you know that commercial lending and some buy-to-let mortgages are not regulated by our Financial Conduct Authority. And lastly, most importantly, uh, Mortgage Monster's trade name of Just Mortgage Direct Limited, which is the point of representative of the Open Work Partnership, trading style of Open Work Limited, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority.